Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. This morning I'm going to speak to you on three sticks, five stones. And two stories begin this message today. The first one is in 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 14. It says, When Elisha was in his last illness, King Jehoash of Israel visited him and wept over him. And this is what he said. My father, my father, I see the chariots and the charioteers of Israel. He's referencing what Elisha saw when Elijah, his predecessor, had been carried up into heaven. He said, the horses and the chariots of Israel. That story had become a part of folklore. And now the king recognises that something significant is happening, that another moment of transition is taking place. Elisha told him this. He said, get a bow and some arrows. And the king did as he was told. Elisha, the prophet, told him, put your hand on the bow. And so Elisha put his own hands on, on the king's hands. And then he commanded this. He said, said, shoot that arrow. Open the eastern window. He opened it. Shoot. So he shot an arrow. And Elisha proclaimed. Now listen to this because it matters. Then Elisha proclaimed, this is the, the Lord's arrow, an arrow of victory over Aram, one of their traditional enemies. For you will completely conquer the Arameans at Aphek. Remember that because the king is not having one of those bedside conversations. He's actually in a prophetic moment. He knows that it's so. This is a lot more than just, uh, well, this is an event, but God is speaking to the king. And then Elisha goes on. He said, now pick up the other arrows and strike them against the ground. So the king picked them up. And he struck the ground three times. But the man of God, with his last breath, the man of God is angry with him. He said, you should have struck it five or six times. Then you would have beaten Aram until it was entirely destroyed. But now you're only going to be victorious Three times. The second story is one we all have heard of. It's the shepherd boy David getting ready for the biggest challenge of his young life. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 37. He says to his king, The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul, the king, finally considered, all right, go ahead. May the Lord be with you. And he gave David his own armour, a bronze helmet and and a a coat of mail of, of iron. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, took a step or two to see what it was like, for he'd never worn such things before. David said, I can't go in these. I'm not that used to them. So he took them off. Now watch this. So David goes down to the brook and he picked up five smooth stones 
from a stream and he put them into his shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Now everybody knows the story. If I ask you how many giants was David facing that day, we all know the answer was one. His name was Goliath. We know his name. We know how big he was. We know that he was the undisputed champion of the Philistine army. And yet David, when he's planning to go and face this giant, does not take one stone for one giant. You say, oh, well, Jeff, maybe, maybe he thought he might miss. But I'd say to you that David, not in for one second, thought that there was any possibility that he wouldn't get him right where he aimed to hit. And that today in his speech, everything he has to say is God is going to help me. God is going to take my one stone and guide it unerringly to the part of you that will fell you no matter how large you are and give me the victory. And then I'm going to chop your head off with your own sword. I don't think David is at all, you know, going, well, maybe it won't happen like I thought. I better take a second stone in case. He's not planning just to touch one because First Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15 through to 22, it's not up there on the screen. You can look it up later. First Chronicles 15, uh, sorry, 20 tells us that not only did Goliath exist as a giant, but that Goliath had a brother and three sons. Go look it up later. First Chronicles 20, verse 15 to 22. Everybody there that day knew that if they kill Goliath, there's another four waiting to take his place. The brother most likely will step up next to avenge the death, if it's even possible of his brother Goliath. And if the brother is felled, the sons will be duty bound to follow their father and their uncle to go to war against these Israelites. And so when David takes five stones, he's not simply, you know, gonna throw them all there in case. But David says, I'm taking enough for this giant. And I'm taking one for his brother. And I'm taking one for his eldest son. And I'm taking one for his middle son. And lastly, I'm taking one for his uh, youngest son. See, David isn't planning to just slay one giant. David's getting ready for all of them. The first story is of a king who does just enough. The man of God is angry at him saying, why did you stop at three? Why did you not do more than that? Now you'll have a victory, but nowhere near as much as you could have. The second story, David, the man after God's own heart, he's going all out just enough is not the way he lives his life. A just enough person would have let the lion get the sheep. 
gone home and said to Dad, Dad, I'm sorry, but a lion came. What could I do? Dad, a bear came. What could I do? And the father would not have got angry at the son. He would have said, well, of course, what else could you do? But see, David's learned very early in life that the spirit of just enough will always leave you less than the miracles and the power of God. The spirit of just enough means you just get to have an ordinary kind of life. David's learned, if I'm going to win, I may as well win it all. I may as well go the extra mile. Now that phrase, the extra mile, is so common in our world. In English, it certainly is. It's common in business. Go the extra mile. Don't just stop, do more. But that phrase actually has its origins in the first teaching of Jesus to His disciples when He's teaching them about how the kingdom operates. Matthew 5 verse 39, Jesus said this, this is the first training He ever gives to His leadership team. He says, whoever compels you to go one mile, go with Him too. You've got to understand that in the time where Jesus was ministering, they were in a land occupied by the Roman legions that had literally conquered all the known world. And so the Roman soldiers, being the victors, being the conquerors, had power of life and death over every place where they reigned. And it was a law of the Romans that any Roman soldier could walk past you, drop his load, whatever it was, how big it was, and could command you to carry it a mile. Didn't matter where you were going. Didn't matter what your business was about. That soldier would say, carry this. And no matter who you were, how important you were, what your title was, your job was, you had to pick it up and you had to walk one mile. Too bad about your business. Too bad about what your ideas were for the day. But the Roman soldier could only make you go one mile. And into that, think about this. We live in a world that is so about me and my rights. It's so about, you know, what I ought to be able to do. And Jesus turns up and says to the disciples, one of whom is Judas Iscariot. One of whom is, is a zealot. In other words, a political activist who's really hoping that Jesus will actually overthrow the Roman occupiers and make the world like it was meant to be ruled by them, the, the Jews. And Jesus says to His disciples, if a Roman tells you to go one mile, don't just go one, go two. Now, I, we all read that and go, you know, we almost have, isn't it beautiful? We want to have hallelujah playing in the background. Hallelujah. As though somehow or other it was a sweet, beautiful moment. But I can tell you, if you'd been there, when you get to heaven, you go and watch the video and you will see the disciples looking at Jesus when He says, don't go one mile, go two. And they're all going like, what? Are you kidding me? Huh? Peter is saying, that'll be the day. Thomas is saying, are you sure? Because he was never sure about anything. Jesus says, don't just do enough, 
go the extra mile. I want you to remember this, that the impact is always in the extra. Now, don't just think about this in one area of life. Think about it in your health. So many people just do enough to not die. Isn't that right? They just do enough to not die. But the impact is in the extra. I remember deciding that I was going to change some of my life because I served under a leader who did just enough to not die. And when a massive health crisis came, there was no margin. The impact in the extra, think about it in your relationships. Some of you are married and you just do enough to not be divorced. Hello, it's quiet in the building today. We just do enough in relationships, but the impact is not in just enough. The impact in the extra. My daughter was telling us, well, our daughter uh, was telling Rhonda yesterday uh, as she was video calling our youngest one about how her workplace, as far as I know, they're not Christians there, but this boss said, you all helped our business survive this space and this time. So every day you volunteered to give up at no pay, we are giving you back as a bonus. Now, see, I've just told you that story. I've just told a couple of thousand people around the world about these people. Huh? She told us. But you know, if, if, if he hadn't have done that, done the extra, I wouldn't be telling you the story. I wouldn't stand saying, thank God my daughter's still got a job. I'm telling you why, because the impact was in the extra. Huh? That's the way it works. Think about your spiritual life. Some people, the entire depth of their prayers during the week is, Lord, bless this food, amen. And the entire amount of spiritual input in their life is what they receive right now in these moments. Can I say to you the impact's in the extra? It, it always is. Amen? And I'm not trying to lay some heavy load on you, some obligation, some guilt trip. I'm just saying the impact's always in the extra. Let me give you one more story. Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 25. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years, had suffered many things and many physicians, spent all that she had was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind Him and the crowd touched His garment before she said, if only I may touch His clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she fell in her body. She was healed of the affliction of Jesus. Immediately knowing himself that power had gone out of Him, turned around the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? I went fast because I'm in a hurry. But His disciples said to Him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? In other words, that day there was stacks of people that were touching Jesus, lots of people in the crowd, but this woman does the extra. She touched Him casually, sorry, they touched Him casually. She touched His garment with intention. She never said, look, if I happen to brush up against him, you've got to understand again that this woman's forbidden to be in a crowd by the laws and the culture of her day. She's not allowed to do what she's doing. Anybody she touches becomes unclean unless at the moment she touches, she's made whole and healed. Then it's okay. 
She's putting literally her life into one touch. My goodness, would not you be intentional about one touch if it held your life in the balance? This woman did that. Show me any miracle Jesus did and I will show you the extra and the intentional. So let me ask you today, are you a three sticks person or a five stones person? What categorises your life? Is your life about just enough or are you preparing yourself for many victories. Can I pause a moment to be prophetic enough to say to everybody here and in Metro Church Online, one day COVID-19 will be finished. It'll go to the history books and that's it. But the people who just paused and waited and just did enough, the churches that just did enough to survive it, to get through it, well, for them, It'll be something in the memory banks. It'll be another bad story, another tough season. But for the people who in the difficult times say, I'm going to do the extra. I'm going to do the intentional. They are the people that will come out of this stronger, better. They'll come out of this with testimonies of miracles. Do you know I hear literally every single week testimonies out of this church about people getting jobs? Now I'm telling I'm not making that up. Every week I hear testimonies of people I had one this morning. I got the job. And I go, listen, you're either believing everything out there and how bad it all is, or is you're gonna believe something that's different. You're, you're gonna go the extra. You're gonna go, yeah, I heard all that on the news, but I read my Bible today. And my Bible says, my God shall supply all my need according to His riches in glory, amen. I, I read my Bible and it said, I'll make you the head and not the tail above only, not beneath. I read my Bible and it says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. I read my Bible and it says that Christ in me is the hope of glory at the end of it all. Amen. Well, it just depends. See, are you the person who's just going to do the little bit, just do enough? One last story for you all. Luke's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 4. Luke 5, verse 4 is the story of Peter and his initial encounter with Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Luke 5 verse 4, when he'd stopped speaking, he said to Simon, that's Simon Peter, launch out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. Wow, what a moment. But see, these guys have been fishing all night long and they've caught absolutely nothing. And they're fishermen for goodness sake. They know how to fish. He says their master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. And if he'd stopped there, he would have been like the king. I've done enough. Now I give up. And that's who he would have been. Thank God the verse doesn't stop there. He's got the same spirit of the five stones that David had. He said, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. 
And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, so much so that the net was breaking. Why did I include this one? Because I think it's so important. So many people really run off whether I feel like a David or I feel like a king. Peter tells you in this story, I don't feel like it. I'm tired. I'm upset. I'm disconsolate. You know, I thought we were going to catch something. It's my business. I thought this contract would come up, but nothing's happened. And Jesus turns up and says, would you do the extra? Would you do the intentional? Would you do what you don't feel like doing? Do you know how much work it is to let a net out of a boat? I've done it. It's not like you just, we're not talking here about one of those crab net things, you know, away you go, scoop net. We are talking about hundreds of metres of net they would have had to put out into the water. Then they've got to row around to get back to pull it all in. It's a big job. It takes effort that they don't feel like bringing in. You know, they're fishermen and he's a carpenter's son. Who would you believe? Whose certainty would you follow? The carpenter's son or the people who have been fishing all their lives and their father before them? But the reality is, Peter says, I don't feel like it. I'm not certain. But if you say, I'll act. See, I don't know. I know the king never felt like anything, which is why he only did the minimum. I don't know whether David felt like going out there and having believed he could slay one, said, I'm going to take enough for the next four. This is what I know. How I feel is no indicator of what God can and will do. I encourage myself with that because I'm like you. I'm as human as you are. And there are days where I don't feel like there's anything wonderful right there. I mean, I'm sure when I stop and look, I'll be aware of it. But I'm like you. My emotions go in the same tracks as yours do. And sometimes I want to encourage myself and say, Jeff, remember this. How you feel is no indicator of what's coming next. How you feel today is just a snapshot of your emotion. It's nothing more than that. The miracle is always in the extra. It's always in the intentional. It's always in the, no matter how I feel, this is how I live. Amen. I'm going to pray with you in a minute that you'll, whether you've ever done it before or not, you'll start to become one of these. Take a picture of the five stones or get five stones, put them somewhere in your house or in your Work desk, when everyone says, what's that about? You say, oh, I'm a five-stone person. They'll take one look at you and go, you look like a bit more than that. <laughs> it's a little joke for y'all. Uh, tell them I'm a five-stone person. They go, what's that? Say, David took more than enough, and I'm a more than enough person. You know, when the clock ticks to 5.30, I'm not first out the door. I'm a more than enough person. When it comes to encouraging somebody else, it's not do I have to. I think about this a lot because in this church, we've been blessed with people of great longevity. I'm, I'm talking about, we had a thing years ago. Remember, Rhonda, we had this thing. We invited everyone that had been a part of our church for 15 years, wasn't it? 15 years. 
and there was well over a hundred and something or other people there. And I remember a few people heard about it and they said, you're kidding, nobody stays that long. And I go, well, they do in this church. We've got people of great longevity, but I don't want to just be there. I want to make sure that every single time I'm here, I carry the spirit of five stones. Amen. Let me give you one more verse before I pray. John 3, verse 16 and 17 is a wonderful, wonderful verse about Jesus, about the sacrifice that He made for all of us. It says, This is how much God loved the world, that He gave His Son, His one and only Son. And this is why, so that no one need be destroyed, but by believing in Him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. Listen to this. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending His Son merely so that we could just get there, but so that the world, as bad as it was, He came to help it and to put the world right again. What does that mean? It means this, no matter who you are today, if you will say yes to the God who does that, if you will say yes to the God who does that, then your life will change from the inside out. That's what the Bible calls being born again. Born again is not some crazy Christian doctrine. It's a description of the way your life changes when you say yes to Christ. That's what it is. So I want to pray for two things this morning. I want to pray for those of us here that need to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you've gone to church all your life. You never said, yes, Jesus, come into my life. I want that for me. Or maybe you're just somebody who might have never gone to church, but you're hearing this today and you want to say yes. Then 488 is the number you text your yes to if you're in Australia. Or if you'd prefer to get the discipleship information via the, an email, then you go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. Send us your yes. And then every single uh, day after that for 30 days, we send you a scripture and a prayer. Fits on one screen of your smartphone and you get that. There's more that follows that. You can go for 550 days if you want, getting help to follow Christ. The second group of people I want to pray for is those of you here who go, Jeff, I've been coasting, you know, in this COVID thing, all, all your conversations about it, I just got to get over it. I just say, oh God, when will it all end? You know what? It'll end when it ends. I have no control over when it ends. But I tell you what, a lot of control over is whether I have a five-stone spirit or a three-stick spirit. Amen. I don't know about you. I intend, to, I intend to be five stones. Matter of fact, I'm planning to be more than five, just in case there's a couple of giants I haven't heard of. Amen. Just in case there's one out there still in the womb, hadn't come out yet. Amen. I'm just going to get ready for them. I don't know about you. I've encountered a lot more than five giants in my lifetime. I'm going to get them all out of here. In Jesus' name. Amen. How many people here can say, I'm going to take enough. I'm going to take enough to kill every giant that rocks up to my house, to my home, to my family, to my business in Jesus' name. That ought to be enough. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. I pray, God, for people here who, and I know that right now there are people a part of this service that need to say yes to you. They've wondered about it. They thought, oh, I should change. Oh, I need help. Some of them are people, Lord, have sought help in so many areas. 
but they've never come to you. There are people who've got problems with alcohol and they've never come to you. There are people who've got problems with mental health. They haven't come to you yet. They're trying to work it out. But Jesus, you say you are the Saviour. Lord, all we've got to do is say yes to the Saviour and He saves. So I pray you'll help them in Jesus' name as they say yes to you. As they text that yes in, send it in on email. I pray, Lord, for all of us, though, that are a part of this service. All of us that really, God, we don't want to just get enough victory. We want to change the world we're in by doing the extra, by doing the intentional. Whether we feel it or not, we thank You for helping us in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 God bless you all. 